0: And
2: I'm
1: Corey Yellen. Our guest today is going to talk about cannabis and cancer. He's Dr. Dave Hepburn, described as Canada's foremost cannabis educator of physicians and the scientific and lay communities. He's a member of the Society of Cannabis Clinicians, as well as other organizations. And rather than joining us in studio, as he has done in the past, he joins us from Lima, Peru. Dave, good of you to do this. What are you doing in Peru? Uh, I'm uh, just keeping one
3: uh, step ahead of the law here. They haven't found me down here just yet. So I'm saying Lima, but in fact, I'm in Bogota, Colombia. But don't tell anybody that either. So no, <laughs> no, I, I'm I here in cannabis-related, uh, again, uh, scenarios. I've been here on and off since 2017. Uh, this is a country that has tried to uh, determine its they, – they legalized it but weren't sure how. So they turned to some Canadian um, experience and uh, – uh, so I got was able to come here and work with Congress and uh, the committees and whatnot to help them determine their their um, regulations. And now I'm I'm down here working in the Amazon. I've uh, been introduced to some amazing uh, ethnobotanical pharmacopoeia, shall we say, of the jungles, and combining that with cannabinoids and creams and different things. So having some fun.
1: Dave, is cannabis legal recreationally and medically in Peru? No, uh,
3: no, it's only legal recreationally in four countries across the world, uh, so Uruguay, Canada, South Africa, and Georgia. Uh, it is uh, and several states in the United States, but not as a nation. Um, medically speaking, it is it is in a process. yes, it is legal. So with a prescription for cannabinoids here, uh, you can take it down to a uh, specific pharmacies and um, and have it filled. however, they' they're, they're still expanding, they're licensing to allow certain types of cannabinoids, so it's still a work in progress, but the answer is it is one of the countries that have legalized uh, cannabis for medical purposes.
2: So, Dave, can you actually go with a prescription and get cannabis oil, per se,
3: or? Yeah, you can. You have to, uh, again, use specific pharmacies that are headed up by the government called Digimed and um, but uh, yes you there are clinics set up there are physicians who are prescribing and in fact tonight there's a four-day conference for physicians uh, on cannabis as well here who are using it and who are prescribing it and want to get better training on it so it's um, uh, it starts it begins this evening this four-day conference on it so yeah they've really embraced it and they have medically even more effectively than we have in North America. Uh, It's as if they saw and waited for us to go through our experiences before they realized it. But now, um, at, at the behest primarily of mothers, of children who have seizures and autism and whatnot, they have continued to push it forward. And the medical community supports it, unlike many medical communities in North America. So that's great.
1: That's interesting. Dave, I was going to ask you, as a doctor who teaches other doctors about the medical benefits of cannabis, Have you noticed a shift in attitude by doctors toward cannabis? You mentioned Peru, but in other jurisdictions.
3: Oh, absolutely. In fact, we're going to chat about cancer today, and uh, one of the interesting things is the fact that uh, oncologists, cancer specialists uh, in the United States, uh, including from many states where it's still not legal, a survey done showed that 80% of oncologists in the U.S. discuss cannabis with their patients. And that's a remarkable number. I'll, I'll expand that study a little bit later. But yeah, there has definitely been a, uh, um, a, a sort of a, we've reached the tipping point and are now are continuing to, to flow as and the evidence has become more, um, uh, more, more appropriate. It's become, you know, not just sort of anecdotal evidence, but there's been now research in it. There's been large organizations who have now removed the stigma of illegality of some CBDs like Europe recently did and others. And um, so, yeah, there is certainly a a, a worm turning here and uh, definitely much more positive. I mean, the worst you ever tend to hear nowadays is, well, I don't know a whole lot about it, but I don't mind you taking it.
1: Yeah, that's very, very true. But cannabis as medicine has been around for thousands of years. Yet what we hear from many doctors and medical authorities is, there needs to be more study. There's certainly been more study of the benefits of cannabis over the years than there has been of the new coronavirus vaccine. Your thoughts?
3: <laughs> You're absolutely right, and I think that it's uh, there, there's always need for studies. There's always need for studies, and in fact, it is true that we do need more, uh, particularly CBD studies, um, clinical studies. Uh, but again, you know, they they have uh, sort of tied. The hands of the research community the medical community in North America and, and the United States particular and then and they come out and said well we need more studies but we're not gonna let you study so they really put it in, in, uh, in a in a tough bind for many years that of course is coming out from underneath the uh, the uh, shadows and we're now starting to be able to see more uh, clinical research in certain areas but uh, again you know anecdotes while they don't make for great medicine they cannot be ignored their case histories of one and that's just it. You just continually gather this sort of uh, uh, collection of, uh, of evidence from people, one after the other, without necessarily having a, a um, you know perfect study being done. And uh, and you can't do a perfect study with this because cannabis is not like one of these single drugs that have a single target, a single molecule, a single pathway, and a single purpose, and a single cost and a single dose. This is a botanical. It has multiple uh, cbd reacts on 75 different receptors different types of receptors not just receptors but different types of receptors and thc acts on uh, 13 different types of receptors so it's not easy to do the very basic one molecule one target uh, research that's uh, many physicians are used to so they don't quite grasp the fact that a botanical study is a different beast Um, that being said i mean there's more and more coming to light and people just cannot ignore uh, the case histories, as I'm sure Corey will be able to talk about some of her experiences today as well.
1: Dave, we want to talk about cannabis and cancer, because most of the interviews we do here on Cannabis Health Radio involve people who have cancer. And uh, the last couple of weeks, we've had some surprising guests. We interviewed a man in Texas who had prostate cancer, bladder cancer, and they thought cancer of the uh, rectum. And what they wanted to do is uh, cut it all out, cut out his prostate, his bladder, his rectum, and put him on a couple of bags for the rest of his life. And he said no. And he researched cannabis and had a friend who supplied him with it. And today he is cancer-free. We also interviewed another woman locally who uh, had breast cancer, different type of breast cancer in each breast. And she was scheduled for a double mastectomy. Uh, she and her husband researched cannabis. They started taking it. Fifteen months later, she's cancer-free and still has her breasts. In layperson's terms, take us through a lecture you would give doctors who know virtually nothing about cannabis and how it works to combat cancer.
3: And, and I do that. In fact, I have given talks specifically on cannabis and cancer. But I, I want to preface things by stating that it's important that we um, realized that cannabis is not a cure for cancer. If it was, of course, it would be used everywhere and cure all cancers, it's not. And the, sometimes that the, you know, as physicians, you have to discuss it in a more scientific basis because we we hear some of the hyperbole over the years from different, uh, you know, there's no topic like cancer that brings out the claims of extracts of seeds from fruits that nobody's ever eaten from some okay. islands in Melanesia that no one's ever heard of. So it's important that we, we sort of eschew the hyperbole. It, because cannabis is not the devil's elixir, but it's neither a miracle cure or panacea for cancer, per se. Um, and claims like that serve to do really nothing but sabotage the potential promise and, and the possibilities that cancer and cannabis can have together. If, if you know, the, the problem is, and I'm a sort of cannabis physician, of course, so if the only tool I have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail, but the fact is there's a slippery slope that margin, can marginalize real science that needs to be avoided so that being said most physicians when they say okay cannabis is a cure for cancer will roll their eyes and they'll see the t-shirts that say hey cannabis cured my cancer no um but is it a cure for cancer it is not is there a role for using cannabis in the fight against cancer absolutely and um you know this is uh um the sort of thing that i face with physicians so again you don't have to wear the T-shirts. Physicians are going to find out very soon, if not already, and have experiences, as those oncologists have, that, in fact, cannabis is a definite benefit to many types of cancers uh, for many different types of people.
1: Dave, so, I'm interested in your comment that it's not a cure for cancer. Is it better than chemo or radiation? So it's uh, this
3: is the interesting part. Uh, I mean, chemo has often been referred to as, you know, slash burn and poison, uh, chemo radiation, the the therapy we use nowadays. And it is not very, uh, um, what's the word? It's not very, uh, well, I don't want to say pleasant. It's not even a a proper word, but it's very harsh on people. And it seems sometimes like we're tossing them an iron life jacket. Uh, Whereas in fact, and they suffer, they suffer with nausea and neuropathic pains. And, uh, you know, it's been remarkable for me to see that patients who add cannabis to the regime, do so much better time and again, including the ability to even tolerate the chemo. I think of one uh, young fellow in his 30s who had a pancreatic cancer and couldn't tolerate at all the chemo, Um, couldn't take it for more than uh, a day, and he was so sick. Once he took cannabinoids, he was able to go on full courses of it and to glean the benefits of it. So, again, chemo is not a cure for cancer. Radiation is not a cure for cancer. These are all armamentariums in the, in the regime in battle against cancer, and they can certainly mitigate in certain ways some of the spreads, the growth, uh, and uh, the malignancy aspects of some of these cancers. Um, but, again, uh, curing cancer is, is a very tricky phrase. Uh, and that being said, uh, you know, I was at the... Um, I was in Seattle at the Cancer Institute there speaking, the Hutchinson Cancer Institute, speaking to a physician who was ahead of it, and he talked about the fact that this day and age, there has been, uh, I mean, the, the percentage of five-year survival, this is how you kind of classify cancer, is a five-year survival rate, has continued to increase, you know, year after year, decade after decade, to the point where some cancers now are not anywhere near as deadly as they used to be, um, leukemias, for example, some of them. Um, so it's not a case of saying if something is, is better than, but is it a useful modality for the treatments? And uh, yes, it is. Is it a replacement? Well, I guess in the fellow from um, this Texas, it was. Uh, but one size does not fit all. Uh, again, there are some studies coming out that show just how effective it can be. The National Cancer Institute, which is part of the United States um, National Institute of Health, um, have said, and they say on their website that laboratory studies have shown that cannabinoids may be able to kill cancer cells while protecting normal cells. And in that way, honestly, Ian and, and Corey it's better because one of the biggest problems with chemo and radiation therapy is that they, they, are not always very selective, uh, even, you know, and so as a result, they damage all the tissues, including normal non-transformed cells. And that is not great, but the holy grail is to be able to have a product that will actually target just the transform, just the cannabis, uh, the cancer cell. And cannabis appears to do that. In fact, they went on to say, and I'll quote uh, the National Cancer Institute, um, they may inhibit tumor growth by causing cell death, blocking cell growth, and blocking the development of blood vessels reduced by tumors, and may reduce the risk of colon, liver, and breast cancer, and can make chemotherapy more effective. But even a more strong statement came from NIDA, the National Institute of Drug Abuse, who have never been friends of, uh, of uh, the cannabis culture. And they state right on their website that studies, quote, show that THC and CBD, when used with radiation, enhance the cancer-killing effect of the radiation. So they're, they're coming around. Even the most uh, sort of skeptical, um, uh, voices are coming around to accept the fact that cannabinoids uh, are play an effective role in, in cancer.
2: You know, Dave, I have to agree with everything you're saying here. First of all, I'm really clear with people. This is not a, in quotations, cure. It's not a magic bullet. You know, uh, people who choose to do chemo, I certainly have seen it over and over again. If they do it in conjunction with oil, seem to come through it far, far better, not only in the severity of side effects. But also in how effective the actual treatment is.
3: Exactly, and you know what's interesting—it's uh, been recently documented that 24% of all cancer patients use cannabis, and uh, they use it for different reasons. They use it for sometimes the the pain, the nausea, and they use it to help treat the cancer. And this is actually a very high statistic of patients who, uh, you know, ha- who have no or limited access to evidence-based information about it. And um, so now we're starting to see that these. This is a very important source um, in order to be able to uh, to look at it as an adjuvant to oncology treatment. So it doesn't have to replace. In fact, it should not ever replace a regime without significant discussion with the oncologist. And many oncologists will say, "Listen." if I had eat what you had, this is a friend of mine who is a, uh, an oncologist, I would take cannabis. And, uh, you know, that's what you need to hear. That's sort of what most of us would like to hear is that, Hey, are you going to eat your own cooking? And the answer is yes. Um, and, uh, but, um, you know, this is the reason, um, I, I was telling Corey earlier that, uh, I have teamed up with a, with a friend of mine who's extremely experienced in the cannabis world. Also by the name of Ian, Ian. And, uh, we have just recently launched a, a site called Canacompounding.ca. Mm-hmm. So Cannacompounding.ca, and the only thing we're doing on this site is helping patients with with cancer. This is the only purpose of this. We we've both been many many years in the cannabis medical cannabis world, and we have just decided. We talked to us our, amongst ourselves and just said, what what's the one sort of lasting legacy that we can really have to make a difference? And and Uh, Ian uh, helped me many, many times with patients I had who had cancer, who I was putting on uh, the the cannabinoids, and he was able to really, really um, step in and be a really important part of their lives. Uh, Time and again, I saw that. So, yeah, we've just uh, launched this as a chance to be able to help along the way. And uh, because there is a lot of um, misinformation or myth information, and there are also some issues that need to be discussed. For example, you don't use cannabis in some particular types of chemotherapy. And these are particularly important in the um, immunotherapies. Um, and in fact, it's been shown that they can actually have a, an adverse effect if the patient is using some types of immunotherapies. Uh, very important, the comorbidities, I mean, the, the, uh, the comorbidities and the reactions of uh, other drugs that happen with cannabis So there should be, I would say, some basis of caution in knowing when to take it and never, ever take it without discussing it with your oncologist because they will know whether it is something that would interfere with a particular regime that they're looking at, particularly the immunotherapy regimes.
1: Dave, when I ask people who are not into cannabis if they've ever heard of the endocannabinoid system, the vast majority say no. Explain what the system is and how it's beneficial to our health. Well, yeah, you're absolutely right, Ian.
3: The the first thing I say to people who want to know more about uh, cannabis or who want to talk to their friends or family about cannabis is before you say anything about the plant, Google ECS, one hundred and one endocannabinoid system, one hundred and one. Take ten minutes and read about this system that our body has—a system of neurotransmissions, a system of of uh, of ligands and receptors and enzymes—that was discovered in the, in the 1980s, s, uh, late 80s, in, in, by um, uh, Raphael Machulam and a team of medical scientists researchers in in Israel, at Hebrew Hadassah University. And when they began to uncover the receptors that our body naturally have to cannabinoids, and then they discovered that we actually make our own cannabis, just as we make our own sort of opiates, we have opiate receptors in our body. Well, why? Well, we make our own. Same is true with cannabis, and that's called the endocannabinoid system. So these ligands anandamide and 2-AG, and these receptors, CB1, CB2, uh, throughout the body are part of a very, very extensive endocannabinoid system that's meant to balance us. It's giving us uh, a balance in in different things that we do, our metabolism, uh, to be able to eat, sleep, relax, uh, forget. and, uh, And this is what we need to sort of balance things. And when it gets out of balance, our endocannabinoid system, it can lead to disease, things like Obviously, we know that there's endocannabinoid deficiencies now in people that lead to conditions like fibromyalgia and some migraines and some seizures. So, the endocannabinoid system is essential to understand, and it just takes 10, 15 minutes to read about it and go, wow, I didn't know our body had that. No wonder the plant works to do this and do that and do the other. It's using, we're leveraging what the plant does to, in fact, help our own system, as we do with many other medications, you know, whether it's uh, it's um, antidepressants with serotonin or anti-Alzheimer's, dementias for acetylcholine or even thyroid. You know, we, we, we enhance insulin. We, we, we do different things. And we, in fact, uh, this is something that is imperative to understand, to understand the role of ca- cannabis in medicine at all, let alone cancer.
1: Uh, that's a very, that's a very interesting, and that site was ECS one hundred and one. No, no, I just say just Google ECS. Oh, ECS one hundred and one. Oh, okay.
3: Like, e- endocannabinoid system, and just look for a real basic explanation or video. Yeah, okay, and it's so easy to 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 understand afterwards. I mean, it, it's really um, uh, made for. Uh, dummies or, or, lawyers, you know, it, it's really easy to understand. It's uh, sorry, that's redundant. Uh, but it is something that is, um, you, you know, you do have a, uh, nice consistent, um, understanding of the fact that you're not just taking this to get high, you're taking it to get help and you're not taking it just wondering what it does. It's there to actually, um, interact with our endocannabinoid system in a beneficial way. And that's what we're trying to harness in, in, in medicine. So that's the sort of way that uh, it's important to understand that basis before even considering it for medical conditions.
1: It's an interesting story. Just as an an aside, uh, I know this 23-year-old kid who has never taken cannabis before, and he suffers from anxiety and he has trouble sleeping. So the other day I gave him a THC CBD capsule, five milligrams of each. And I said, it's best if you take it before you go to bed. So he took it, and I didn't see him the next day. But I saw his friend, and I said, uh, "How did your friend make out with this uh, with this capsule?" He said he took it, went home, made dinner, fell asleep at eight o'clock, and had the best sleep he's had in a long time. And I said, "Fantastic! That's uh, that's the body healing, and uh, the endocannabinoid system." Dave, what? Let me back up a bit. We hear a lot about the benefits of various strains. How important are specific strains for cancer?
3: Wow, that's a very good question, Ian. And by the way, your your story is is reproducible many, many, many times. Of yeah. course, we see many who have who have had that same effect. In fact, what's interesting is they'll say, you know, I took it for my knee and I had the, but I ended up having the best sleep of my best sleep. life. Well, yeah, you first know, first thing it, I hear. It is, isn't it? You get that. Yeah, this is where you realize it's, it's a botanical with many receptors. So suddenly they go, yeah, my bowels have never been better. My skin is, skin is, look at this. And, you know, my psoriasis is under control, whatever. It's just, uh, it's just, you see the sort of multi uh, basic actions of, of CBD and other cannabinoids. But um, your question again about uh, various strains, <laughs> strains, various strains, So uh, this is important because, you know, again, one size does not fit all. So when people say, I took cannabis and I got anxious or or whatever, I I always say, well, which one did you take? Uh, Because there are so many different types of cannabinoids with different types of terpenes uh, and, and that you cannot say that one will do this and the other will do the same. So that they actually have different modes of action and this is also true in cancer so that taking the wrong type of cannabis for cancer could end up being counterproductive uh so that certainly um that's important to understand this is why it's important to get good information as opposed to just uh and people who have experience like Corey does uh mara gordon in the states others who have really dedicated their life to to understanding the roles of certain types of cannabinoids and certain types of cancers. But um, this is this is critical to be able to appreciate that different um, types of strains, different types of cannabinoids, different percentages uh, of cannabinoids, and even terpenes, although I'm not really clear on the terpenes if it's had that cancer-related effect, but certainly I'm aware of different cannabinoids having different effects on different types of tumors. And the reason that is, it's quite fascinating is because when a cell um, turns cancerous, it actually changes the, or, or develops cannabis receptors on its membrane, on its outer membrane. Wow, hmm. oh, that's and interesting. It, it, is, it is remarkable. So uh, these are found in many types of CB1 and 2, uh, 2 receptors. Are found in many types of tumor cells, which could, of course, mean that cannabinoids can either be a guardian or can be an inducer of tumor progression. So, uh, again, but what's remarkable is the fact that uh, by understanding the fact that CB1 or CB2 receptors are predominant in a particular type of cancer, for example, in a prostate cancer, you'll have a complete switch of the percentage of receptors on that prostate cell, Cancer cell than is on a normal prostate cell, and this is why it actually acts on the particular type of uh, cancer as opposed to damaging normal cells. So again, there's a great potential there, and that's being uh, re- researched dramatically to understand how that all uh, functions.
1: Dave, if you had cancer, what would you do?
3: Without a doubt, would I? Uh, I would go to Peru. Uh, <laughs> <and the laughs> No, I I would, uh, I certainly would, depending on the type of cancer, and this is one of the things, is I, I can, I have a, basically a file I've compiled over years of the various types of cancers and the various regimes that I would use for that cancer. So for melanoma, I would use a different regime than I would for leukemia than for a breast cancer, for brain tumors. So the different types of many, many different types of cancers will sort of help identify. But would I take a cannabinoid? Without a doubt. Without a doubt, I would add that to my regime unless I was on immunotherapy. And then, of course, I would have to uh, cut once and sift twice before doing that because uh, cannabinoids are uh, have immunotherapy. Uh, activity. they They affect the immune system. and so some of these new cancer treatments involve uh, medications which use the immune system and can actually, by using the wrong cannabinoid, you can interfere with that. So again, this is why I would discuss it with my oncologist. but without a doubt it would be the it would be something I would certainly turn to depending on the type of cancer that I would have had uh, to to use.
1: Dave, one of the things that uh, Corey does when she talks to people, and Corey, feel free to jump in, is say that besides taking cannabis, you have to change your diet. You have to start eating real food and get rid of the junk food, the sodas, and things like that to help your body recover. Do you see that as part of a, a, a health regime?
3: Well, that's right, and I suggest patients that they do a certain dose of cannabinoids and then they also take Snickers bars because they they have been <laughs> studied again and again and found to be very beneficial. You know, I, I have to say that it's it's uh, there's no doubt that cancers can not only be uh, caused by what goes past your gums, um, but also may, in fact, many diseases are caused by what you eat and how you eat, um, but also how you respond to treatment and how you're, you know, whether there are true foods that actually help uh, as uh, chemo nutritious type foods, um, still, I think is yet to be completely um, determined. That being said, it does make sense that, uh, yeah, you know, if uh, you take certain types of food, you're gonna, and particularly the carbohydrates, uh, you can affect uh, a lot of uh, different types of treatments.
1: Dave, uh, as we wrap up here, given the billions of dollars made by the pharmaceutical industry and its political influence, do you see a time when cannabis will be part of a regular cancer protocol? Wow, another
3: good question. You know, I I, um, I would like to see uh, as a protocol covered by insurances, as things are starting to happen, as people understand now, as far as A part of a regime, Uh, again, there are five ways that cannabis works and can help a cancer patient. Five different ways. Um, One of them is dealing with chemotherapy side effects. Again, we've seen that, um, you know, through the National Academy of Science, Engineering, and Medicine studies that showed that it has a beneficial effect, more powerful than other drugs, or things like nausea, vomiting, and even insomnia and pain, neuropathic pains and different things that, that can happen. So there's that role. Secondly, there's the role of cannabinoids in the cancer itself, dealing with fighting the cancer. And that is extremely important. I'll, just, I'll come back real quickly to that one. But the third thing is potentiating the effects of the chemotherapy. So some cells are very resistant to chemotherapy. Some cancer is very resistant. And it's showing more and more that using certain cannabinoids can make the chemotherapy more effective in these chemo-resistant cells. And that's extremely important. This is why uh, studies with patients with with, uh, glioblastoma multiforme, which is a horrible brain tumor, have shown that patients live significantly longer um, than patients who don't use the cannabis. It can also help with the symptoms of cancer, because cancer itself causes symptoms of anxiety and fear and pain and, and mood problems that can help with this, anorexia. And fifth, it can help in palliation. So there are five ways that cannabinoids can be used to deal with cancer. But what's exciting is, and probably and needs the most research, is how it works on the cancers themselves. And it does. It actually can help kill a cancer cell by one of three ways. Number one, it can actually suffocate the blood supply to that cancer cell.
1: Hmm.
3: That's called angiogenesis. So it's anti-angiogenetic in that it blocks what's called BEGF. It's a factor that creates this blood, uh, the blood supply to a cancer. Well, if it doesn't get blood supply, it's not going to be able to to live. So it can do that. It impairs mitogenesis, which is cell division. But the most important by far way that, that cannabinoids affect cancer cells is by causing the cancer cell to commit suicide called apoptosis. And it does that by means of a certain cascade that it runs through the cell right down to the, uh, was called the autophag- autophagy, um, autophagosomes. Uh, a great word to say, um, but it's a hard word to say. But it actually runs through this very, very extensive cascade. And uh, the apoptosis has been clearly demonstrated in gliomas, in pancreatic cancers, in liver cancers. And so, again, this has perhaps been the most exciting way to know uh, the researchers leading cannabis into the world of uh, chemotherapy.
1: It's an exciting time really, isn't it, for for cannabis as uh, governments around the world are slowly lifting the restrictions on it and people are discovering its benefits. And I think one of the one of the problems we have with cannabis is that it is perceived by many members of the public just as a reason to get high as opposed to a, a system where a uh, product that you can take in order to remain healthy. Would you agree?
3: Oh, absolutely. And, I, I, and you know, uh, the, the stories are manifold that way. And certainly, um, Corey has many of them. And I, I love to hear her stories. We were talking this morning, she was telling me a couple of the cases that come her way. And I have absolutely no doubt that these things are, are making such a great benefit. And people like her, and others who are helping patients to be able to find their navigate their way around the, the medical cannabis world in such a case like cancer, um, I mean these people are just phenomenally uh, important and um, and uplifting and as far as I'm concerned inspiring, which is why I've decided to to throw my hat into the um uh, compounding world, and you know talking about palliation, uh, sometimes I mean some one study showed that sixty percent. Of patients who who took cannabis were more likely to die at home than to die in hospice. And I know that sounds like a pyrrhic victory, but in fact, um, you know, the reason that people go into hospice for palliation, you think of the reasons they go is because they're having pain or nausea or fear, or they have no appetite or anxious or insomnia. Well, by taking cannabinoids, they can address those and they can die at home. Um, I know that doesn't sound like a pleasant way to end things off but I mean we all have to go one day even even you and (laughs) uh if it's uh, that way how we surround ourselves I mean uh, how we if we would probably love to be in the surroundings that we choose so if we can deal with the nausea the vomiting the mood disorders the anorexia the sleep disorders the itching the pain all these things then why not have that experience uh, in a place of your choice? your choice. You know,
2: Dave, um, I hear this over and over and over again with people that we um, have lost or that move on or whatever. Uh, a rendition of what a difference cannabis made to that person's quality of life.
3: Um, it's unbelievable. And I have been stunned sometimes, even as a family member said to me, um, say to me, You know, thank you for putting uh, uh, so-and-so on the cannabis because even though he had a very aggressive brain tumor, it changed the whole experience. And yes, you don't always cheat death. None of us have. will, but I mean, it is um, certainly extremely rewarding that people who could easily say, well, that was a waste of time. Instead, say, no, that was such a different experience for my partner or for our family because of cannabis.
1: Yes. Dave, yes, it's uh, it's always informative to talk to you and when you're out of confinement in Peru and back home, <laughs> yes, uh, <laughs> maybe uh, you can come into the studio and we'll have another chat because uh, it's always great to hear what you have to say. Thank you very much.
3: Well- and I think your radio show is phenomenal. And I think we're in confinement all around the world these days, it seems. But uh, you're right. I, I I would love to get back. And uh, and any time that you'd love to have me on the show, I, I'm glad to because you guys do great work.
1: Thanks, Dave. Take care, guys. Dave Hepburn is, Dr. Dave Hepburn is always a good guest to have and he has fantastic information and excellent stories. If you'd like to be a guest on Cannabis Health Radio, then go to our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com and send us some information on your story and uh, we we'll would be happy to interview you. I'd also like to thank Ron Zahar for donation, uh, donating his studio time to us. And uh, also Mark in Belgium who posts our podcast to YouTube. And we encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel. And if you'd like to donate to Cannabis Health Radio, feel free to do so. There's a little flag that comes up uh, when you go on our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. And you can donate one time or you can become a monthly donor on Patreon. And that's it for another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. We thank you for listening, and we'll be back next week.
0: Thanks for listening to Cannabis Health Radio. For more information and to search previous podcasts, visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. Subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This podcast is made possible by donations from our listeners. If you found the information helpful, please consider making a donation in any amount through our website. You can also help us share our message by leaving a review on your podcast listening platform. We are very grateful for your support. Thank you.